to the Grind to Growth to Greatness podcast. The best and brightest entrepreneurs, CEOs, creators, athletes. We'll talk to them all and we'll get the good, the bad, and the ugly on how they made it. Decoding the secrets of success. Grind to Growth to Greatness podcast. Unveiling the paths to success. And now your host, Terry Barr. So I want to welcome you into our next episode of Grind to Growth to Greatness. We have a fantastic local leader. I won't call her local because that's how I know her, but she has a couple different venues, one here and one in Nashville. And uh, she is a not only a female leader in our area, she's just a leader in general. And I've watched her and known her for quite a long time. So I'm very, very happy to have her on. She's got an interesting story, how she got from where she was to where she is. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. Her name is Ann Dieter Gallagher of Dieter Gallagher Group here in Camp Hill. She owns a PR firm. I think it's much more than that. She's co-author of a couple books, Women in High Gear. She's a Camp Hill native. She's married to her husband, Corey. And she has three boys, and they are Benjamin, Aaron, and Joshua. So I want to welcome in Ann Dieter Gallagher to our podcast this week. Welcome. Terry, thank you very much. That's that's quite an intro. <laughs> You've done your research. <laughs> well, we try to know what we're doing. Here. Yeah. But it's nice to have you in. Like I said, I, I, I would say we're acquaintances. We've known each other oh, yeah. for a long time. But she has a very successful business here in town. So we wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit and get the grip behind the grind, the underlying story of how she got here. Uh, she started your business when you were 40. Yes. Right. <laughs> But there's a lot. I, there's a lot before that, right? Yes, I don't really have the typical trajectory to entrepreneurship or uh, women business ownership, which kind of I think is my angle. It's one of the reasons I wrote Women in High Gear is because I couldn't find the information I was looking at, and you know, part of my I was scanning all your podcast questions. I love them all, and and when you talked at the very end about is it passion or purpose. Uh, both, I'm going to say. And it's one of the reasons why I was so invested in Women in High Gear because I needed to shorten my learning curve. And after, you know, doing my own research and finding out how to burst onto the business scene, if you would, I figured a lot of women, especially younger, aspiring women, could benefit from the lessons Amy Howell and I had learned. Yeah. So a couple of things in there. I mean, that's one of my big questions is the passion versus purpose. You know, which comes first? Can you have one without the other? I think a lot of kids in our day and age, they're saying, hey, find something passionate and do that. Be passionate about something. But if you do, if you have, you're passionate about something without purpose, sometimes that can be empty. And so I think it's interesting that you mentioned that right off the mm-hmm. top. I think if you have purpose in something and you're passionate about it, it works out really good. Right. Um, and you can be profitable. Right. Let's add <laughs> That's that. the other P. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my question. For my, you have to add right. that, right? But just like you said, you know, uh, you were you were passionate about it. And I, there was a line in your book that kind of goes to that. It says, if your ship doesn't come in, swim to it. And I have that in my office. It's a, it's a Jonathan Winters. I'm totally dating myself uh, <laughs> by talking about he's a longtime comedian, sure. you know, decades yeah. ago. Yeah. But when I read that and I, and you rightly mentioned it, it's in the book. I just, when I started age 40, I didn't have 25 years to figure it out. Right. So when you start your business at 25, 
you can afford some twists and turns and maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it does work out. Maybe you didn't connect with the right people or maybe you're unsure how to network. I almost had a sense of, a quiet sense of urgency about if I was going to start a business and I'm going to be away from my three sons and my husband, it needed to be purposeful. I needed to be passionate and it had to be profitable. And so, you know, a lot of younger people, passion project is a, is a big term sure. now that, you know, sure. especially post-COVID of, you know, they want to do something, they're going to do something on the side and they want to grow it into a business, which is a great way to start as an entrepreneur, but it's going to be a hobby unless yeah. you can find a path to revenue. And I think that's specific to women, what you, what you just said that about, you know, at 40, I don't, I didn't have time to. Right. Figured out. Figure it out. Because you had three kids. Right. And in your book, I know you talked about, you know, there's women are all, always forced to ask the question, should I stay home? Should I go to right. work? And, right. And you made the conscious decision, we're going to try to make this work. I want to stay home. There's You can't buy time back right. with your kids. Right. No do-overs. Yeah, no do-overs. I read that. And and so that was, that was interesting during that period of time that you were going through. I know you, you were a mom. But you were also very invested in PTA and community, Hill, right, community right. and very aware of that. And you're still that way. So tell me, why was that important in your journey there as you went through parenthood, motherhood, if you will, before you got to opening your business? Well, I always, you know, if, you, if you're raising children, you, you really want to have a purpose. You want to share that purpose with them. You want to be the guide and the nurturer and the, the support system for them as they grow. And so doing that, and just by almost by default, as they were in wrestling and and baseball and sports, you know, we would be there. We would either be working concession stands or, you know, we would, they were all in Boy Scouts. So for seven years, I put on the uniform and did the, uh, you know, Cub Scout leader because I was going to do it along with them. We were invested. It was important to us as a family. And so that's really where the community, of course, you know, all the the school, you know, support system that you become. And as a stay-at-home mom, I was able to uh, work my schedule around that. So then when I hit 40 and realized I really want to try this business ownership thing, and you probably written the book with zero business education. My degree, I have a bachelor's, it is not in business. Yes. We did not have entrepreneurship at Chippensburg University at the time. Right. I took one econ, econ 101. Because it was, I guess it was a requirement because I, I can't think I would have volunteered for that. And I, Emil Bay, B-E-J was the professor's name. I remember it. And um, I didn't really love it. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to me. Mm -hmm. But there was no no path to that. There was it wasn't even in my game plan. So I'm sure my family was shocked when I said, I want to, I want to try this. So, so part of your past, your vocational past, did you do some work? for a nonprofit, right, correct? Right. And then you also, you were part of a publishing company, right. is that right? Mm -hmm. So during those periods of time, did that give you kind of a direction so that when you said, hey, I want to try this business owner thing, I want to, I really want to dive into this. Did you already know kind of where you wanted to go yes. with that? I end up in the minority in a lot of situations. Okay. So whether it's, I'm doing things atypical right. and not, not on a standard path, but right. My degree is in journalism, communications, public relations. Mm -hmm. So those three. I added on a bachelor's in English at the end. I had 
I realized if you could do, uh, was it 19 credits, 21 credits, I could finish with two bachelors, not a minor, in case I wanted to teach. So I stayed in my skill set, if you would. Okay. That's that was my training. So my challenge in coming to business was the art of business, not the skills of, you know, professional writing, journalism, media relations, public relations. I have a ha- had a handle on that and still do. Right. Fortunately, have a handle on that. It was how do you burst onto a business scene. You know, and I joined the West Shore Chamber of Commerce. That was the very first thing I did, which I think is where I first met you. Probably, yes. Decades ago. Yes. And again, I I felt like it was, um, I talked about this in my podcast, Dr. Seuss, are you my mother? Like, is this where I come to do business? Is this what you do? And I looked at the big, uh, they had a wall of business cards. And I thought, oh, okay, I need a business card. <laughs> I need a logo. Yeah. I need to do this thing. At the uh, rudimentary. Yes. Were, yeah, you were figuring that out. Okay. And so I remember my both of my brothers are and were business owners in Philadelphia. So they're in, you know, the big city. They're both older. And I can remember distinctly almost a laughter when I was just exuding this excitement. This is what I've done. You yeah. know, it's 2000. We're going to, we're going to do this. And uh, my brother Philip said, Ann, have you just heard of a Chamber of Commerce? <laughs> I said, kind of, I have. <laughs> I've been, I've been doing, yes. <laughs> I'm the family CEO, I think. So, anymore, yeah, yeah, exactly. So my encouragement to any younger women who are listening to you, yeah. to your podcast, and I'm sure you have a lot, is all of my community service, if you would, everything I was passionate about and volunteered for, I leveraged into the workplace. So if you are, take it back to a a basic level, I ran vacation Bible school for several years in our church, a relatively smaller to mid-sized church. If you can get, um, say, 50 parents to come out in June for five nights in a row from five to nine, you can have meetings ahead of time and you're going to persuade them. Yeah. to do this and explain why it's good to pour yourself into children, other people's right. children, right. you have persuasion skills. Yeah. If you can get three boys to bed on time, you have negotiating skills. That's so true. those are all skills or soft skills that you need to succeed in business. But I was, they were all non-billable. Yeah. So my challenge was, how do I build for those? Turn that into yeah. How do I leverage those to start a business? So I was fully raised my hand, like, I don't know how to start a business. So did a lot of research. And this is when just getting a home computer was a big deal. This is floppy disk time. So this is, (laughs) but anyway, the good news is, you know, there's certainly tons of opportunities. There's tons of help along the way. I had a personal board of advisors. I think that was one of your questions about mentors. It doesn't have to be a formal relationship, but there's, the good news is there are a ton of people in leadership that are happy to help younger people who aspire to business ownership. Well, I agree with that. And I know a couple of the leaders that you were talking about was, uh, you know, CEO Ford that kind of, I think that was one of the people that you. Yeah. Had, had An early client, one early. of the first clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, Patty uh, Husick, one of the early client. Um, bank yeah. And, started and founded, right. you know, a bank in in 2007. So anyone who has done any history, that's, yeah. that's a, <laughs> that's, a bad that's time to start a bank. Yes. yes. And then there was a Derek. Oh yeah. Hathaway. Yeah, yes. Yes. That as well. Yes. So a lot of people, including myself, and you know, when I started this, I started with an idea, here's what I want to yep. do. And, and here's what, here's the problem I see and the problem I want to solve or the service that I want to give to the community. It sounds like you kind of 
started with your skill sets, hard skill sets, soft skill sets, and said, okay, I've got, I've got my education. Here's what it's in. I have my set of skill sets, and you talked about you know, negotiating with your kids yeah. and so on and so forth. How can I wrap myself around something that fulfills that as, as right. a service? I mean, is that true, or did you have in mind, you know what, I think I can, I think I'd like to open a PR firm? Well, it's kind of a a combination. Okay. So I saw, which I encourage all people who want to start a business, what problem are you solving? You could be very passionate about, you know, owning a restaurant, but if there are 10 other restaurants in, you know, a 20-mile radius, probably the the deck is stacked against you. So do some research. What would your restaurant, you know, be like? So... I, right out of college, Monday after college, I started at a denominational publishing house Mm. in the editorial department, worked my way up to director of editorial. So after five years, and I realized, okay, I think, I think we would like to start a family. My first negotiating was negotiating with them to keep me part-time. So it was remote work before this is ever. So this is- was 1986. Yes. So that's not even heard of, let alone women would ask, especially in a denominational publishing house, like that just was never done, ever done. So I went and negotiated, would they, they had already invested a lot of money in me. Did they want to waste that? Or did they, didn't they want to tap into that? Pretty good pitch. I did have a pitch. And they said, yes, it hadn't been done before, but that has never dissuaded me. Actually, I, I think that's even better. I like to be the first doing something. Sure. So they said yes. So for 15 years, I worked for them part, part time. I came in the office for bigger meetings, but did editing that whole time and built it around my schedule. You know, one son became two sons, became three sons. But that allowed me to go to wrestling matches and to be at baseball games and to volunteer without asking permission. And that's why I was really shying away from that. So my brother-in-law, who's um, a pastor and professor at Messiah and Wesley Theological Seminary, I was sitting listening to him preach one time, and he had a youth ministry that he had started called Salt and Light. So my very first job as Ann Dieter Gallagher Marketing Communications. So that's mm. what, and I have that. I like <laughs> that. was my first business card. Okay. Uh, was for him, which was a nonprofit because all these young people were sharing fabulous stories and they needed sponsors for the ministry. And I said, sure. well, how will, how are you getting your word out? So that was my first paid gig. Paid gig. Yeah. For marketing them and really bringing in a graphic designer, bringing in, meeting the first printers that I would work with on on taking it from what I'd like to say, think to build. Yeah. So the whole product they needed. Yeah. So my first work with them won a nice national award. So I thought, okay, I'm, I, I think I could do this. I could do that. I, I did it once. <laughs> very well. I, I know. So here we are 24 years later and um, it's good to bet on yourself. Yeah. So I've had, um, it's interesting, I've, I've done about eight or nine of these so far, and out of the eight or nine, probably a little more than half have been women. Okay. And, and it's interesting because I asked the question, and, and with all due respect, and, and I had Sue Para on. Yeah, uh, love her, love week. her. Had a great conversation. Um, you and I are similar in age. And in 1986, being not only in a, in a ministry-driven publishing company, but also that period of time 
what were some of the struggles that you had being a woman in America that seems like they always have, they always have just a little extra they've got to go or they've got to go over one more hurdle yeah. than a man. And, and how did you deal with that? Because you seem like a really strong person. But I have to think that that was a struggle like it was for, I mean, for everybody in that period of time. Yeah, I didn't focus, you know, looking back, I can see more of the challenges, but it was, um, you know, I have three sons, a fabulous husband, I I had a great father, I have two brothers. I've been surrounded by men all my life. So working in a denominational publishing house at the time, I was the first female, so this is early 80s, to have health insurance. Because the other women working there were under their, they expected would be under their, you know, husbands. So it was kind of, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to go pitch my case. Did you have to ask and, for it? Oh, I had to ask for it because my husband was still in college for, for that year. Yeah. So it was, I don't say it wasn't off-putting. It was just a, a challenge, a challenge you learn. You know, these are challenges. I've got to, you have to develop confidence and you have to develop knowledge. Like you understand, you go in and pitch. And it's the same pitch as I had uh, told my sons. If they're going in to ask for a raise or, you know, they they want to pitch an idea at their company, this is, you know, here's how you can do that. Certainly on boards of directors was always, um, you could look around even still now, we've not you know, we've come some distance, but not near what we should as I think far I as fifteen to eighteen percent. Yeah, of boards have women on them or something like that, and I'm I'm always a little bit shocked about that. I'm I find myself to be, you know, I'm a churchgoer. I read the Bible, all those things, and one of the <laughs> one of the verses in the Bible that talks about listen to your wife. She thinks, <laughs> thinks differently. Yeah, and so that that for me that has a lot of different a lot of different meaning. Yeah, it just means that. Women think differently and we should listen to them at some level that they're going to offer something that I don't have that's intuitive or I don't have genetically or whatever, whatever God's plan is right. in those, those individuals. So it's always interesting to me to hear for, from a woman's perspective what they deal with on that level uh, as far as men listening, men taking wisdom from a woman in the leadership roles. And I'm assuming part of that is the reasons that you wrote the book, you know, how do I get young women to realize they don't have to cower to whatever they right. could have those ideas? Let me talk a little bit about your book and what the premise behind that was. I think part of the challenge we just, I just did uh, last week, actually, one of my podcasts with Ann Carnathan came out and it was on women on boards. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, she has a podcast. It's called Written Gravitas. So, Go check it out. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> yes, do I've that. I've watched a bunch of them and they're they're very interesting. So But the challenge yeah. and the the challenge really hasn't changed from what I've written in Women in High Gear. My message is to women, show up. Like go after the board you would like to serve on. If any of us are waiting to have someone knock on our door for an executive leadership position, it's not going to work that way. So you know, do some research and find a board you'd like to serve on that you feel you could add value and your skill set matches and make the ask. Yeah. If you go on LinkedIn, it's very easy to find out what boards people serve on. So make some connections and whether it's a bank board or a hospital board or a nonprofit, you know, Salvation Army is near and dear to my heart and we're always taking willing leaders. So your general service that you add, that you provide 
to these brands and you've, there's a ton of these brands you've worked for. And I, I wrote down a bunch of them, but only if, you know, there's, I don't know, 30 or 40 of them, but you know, locally March Mounts Jewelers, Duck Donuts, Salvation mm-hmm. Army, uh, Hallmark Channel, the Patriot News, Gannett Fleming. These are, these are big organizations. And then I wrote down Ben Gallagher because he's a, <laughs> a country music yes. star. Uh, that's a good brand. That's a passion that's and a, a purpose. Super brand. I got to tell you, that's, yeah. that's, that's awesome stuff. But in the brand storytelling, it seems to me that social media has really condensed messages to, you know, sound bites. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, and you can talk a little bit about how you've had to change your pattern of, of service to those people because of social media and, and how you've kind of redesigned your service to them. Because, you know, in our business, if I'm not on social media telling my story, my brand story, I'm going to be left behind mm-hmm. because everybody else is. Right. Now, quite frankly. It I, used to be the yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> you put that nice picture yes, in the yellow pages. Yes. As big as you can get it, right? So tell me about how social media and all micro impressions, all of those things have affected your service over the last. Well, it's it's tripled the, you know, channels that we need to learn about and master. So the story, back to the storytelling, you know, you could go back to the parables. That's stories are what really connect us and pull us in. So that hasn't changed from 2000 when I started. It's always digging deep in those first few meetings with the client or the corporation or the company, whether it's big or small, and finding out what is the story behind, why do they exist? Why are people showing up to work? What are the employees, you know, passion and purpose? Yeah. And really distilling that and then deciding, you know, as a part of the strategy is what channels am I going to release that story on and how? What form would that take? Would it be long form like, you know, I know that you're passionate about podcasts. Long form in my world would be opinion editorial. So that's like 800 words of what Terry Barr would say or Ian Dieter Gallagher would say. And then we could distill it again down to X or it's going to be on Facebook or Instagram story. So we've added the channels, which is multiplying the work. Well, that's what I was going to say. As you add those channels, I mean, you've got to hire the people that obviously know how to do all that stuff. So, And then we have the analytics on par. So the public relations and marketing world has profoundly changed. I mean, when I started, there there was no social media. So just think of the engine that that created in the jobs, you know, social media marketing manager. That didn't yeah. exist. You know, we didn't, we didn't I have I still have these. a hard time even realizing that's a, a true, a true, <laughs> a true job, but it's, well, I if can't you, do it myself. <laughs> right. If you think, um, you know, an entire bank can collapse based on a tweet, you know, that your stock price on a publicly traded company, you could lose you know, millions of dollars from a Facebook post. That shows you the immense potential and responsibility we have as language artists. You know, what, what, how are we going to frame that story? Because we have to be so diligent and careful. In the old days, we would be able to, when people would say, oh, I'm going to stop the story, which is, right. you know, go ahead and try that. Possible but now, now right. with the news cycle 24-7, there's no stopping a story. And you're lucky if you would even have a couple minutes or an hour in advance of a story. Yeah. So now we have Google Alerts and and all kinds of, you know, expensive software alerts on everybody. Well, I liked your, I like, it's right on your sign. And I like, I like your tagline. It says powerful language and smart marketing. And I think that really, for me, that says, 
use the right language, think about the right language, yeah. and then get it into people's laps as much as we can. And see, there's no shortcut to that. So there might be a shortcut into how, where you're going to share your message. You know, it's like I said, it would be if it's on Twitter or X, that's, that's a very condensed. Or, you know, you could do a YouTube video. You can, there's a lot of tools out there. Sure. But you have to master the language. You have to be able to describe and make an emotional connection with your consumer, your client, your target audience. Yeah. And that you need words to do that. Absolutely. So you open this business, we'll call it open it, but you jumped into this business with both feet, no floaties. I swam to my ship. Yeah, I swam to your ship, no floaties. It you did not come in. into our work. That's exactly right. And you had some success early on with your brother and you got this, uh, I guess you would call that, a, what, what do you call a, what you did for your brother? Brother-in-law, yes, brother-in-law. So he was, um, yes, we did a campaign and I worked with them for a couple years. And then moved out of the, so there, you know, it's, it was a church ministry, so that's sure. a nonprofit. Yeah. Moved out of that into bigger clients. But a, another message to young people yeah. in leveraging your talents or skills or experience into the workforce, mm -hmm. I never made an excuse for a 15-year gap on a resume like, well, and you graduated and, you know, yeah. 81 and now you're, you're just coming, you know, you, you had a job from 81 to 86, 40 hour a week job. And yeah. now you have a 15 year gap. I made no excuses for that and yeah. was very uh, confident saying, this is, let me tell you what I did. And actually if people can do that level of work for free, think of what they can do, you know, if there is a salary and there's a financial incentive, you know, attached to that. So I kind of, I know a lot of people get worried. I've got a gap here. I've got a gap there. But there's, if you can explain that and you, and you can use a great story with that and explain why, why that gap exists, that's not a barrier. Yeah. So you get into the job, you get into the, start building this business. You have this campaign at age 40, right out of the gate. How long, let's call it how long, because it's grind to growth to greatness. How long did we grind over this idea and starting this business and really starting to see it flourish? When did you hit the spot where you go, hmm, I think I may make it? <laughs> I think I always thought I made it. Yeah, I never, I like looking back, too. I'm I'll like, uh, yeah. and again, you're the judge of whether you made it. If you have clients, you've made it. Sure. And so I kind of... Anyone who's starting a business, the market tells you if you made it or you didn't make it. Yeah. If you're not appropriately priced, you have no clients. So you, you know, reconfigure that. You go back to your original proposals, what's working. It doesn't really matter who the person on your right or left, what they're charging. It matters. Can you get clients with what you're charging? All right. We'll call it you skip the grind part. No, I but no, I, I like, didn't grind. I like the mindset though. <laughs> I've already made it. I just need to make it. Um, so seven years, I was yeah. at my home office. Yeah. So that's, you know, that gives you an image. This is before, again, remote work. Sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm meeting bigger clients as CEOs at Cornerstone Coffee House or, or different right. venues mm -hmm. till I realized, okay, I think I need office space. Now I'm in your wheelhouse. So, right. you know, real estate, I need to, I wasn't ready to buy. I think I looked at seven different properties and ended up, you know, at a, the nicest of all seven, of sure. course, my yeah. husband would say, of course you did. Yeah. That was a big, that, that was a big shock yeah. that I'm, oh shoot, now no, this is I like, this is real cash. Yeah. yeah. And that was, you know, more money than our mortgage payment was. So I thought, now this is really, now I'm affecting <laughs> other people with these decisions. 
So I was there seven years until I realized, well, wow, I've calculated all the money I spent on rent. And sometimes that's the absolute best option. That really was a sweet spot where I think, you know, I've got a sign. I've got a, I remember my father-in-law coming to visit me at the office and the sign says Dieter Gallagher Group, LLC. He said, oh, does that mean lots and lots of cash? Nah. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to go with that. But so go from there. And then 2014, uh, bought my office. So that really was, I felt, you know, yeah. buying a commercial space. You're like, wow, I think I made it. But again, go back to don't let someone else define whether you've made it or not. Yeah. You know, if you if you had a short list of your goals, irrespective of revenue and you're in business and clients are happy and you love what you do, you've made it. Yeah, I like that because I know that in our business especially, and I'm for those of you don't you should know by now, we've done eight of these, I think. I'm in real estate, residential real estate with a little bit of commercial. In our business, there's always somebody that does better than I right, do. Right, right. There's always somebody that does less than I do. And so in business alone, if you're if you're defining your success based upon somebody else's success, you're just going to spend yeah. your bills. You're going to be disappointed all the time. So I know from your history that when I saw your sign go up, I can distinctly remember when you bought your property. And I'm not sure why I remember that, but I was driving by and I saw your sign and I went, wow, yeah, that PR business must be okay. <laughs> You know, and so, and I've met you lots of times. Yeah. Cornerstone, we've had lots of right, conversations, right. whatever. And I've always had a lot of respect for who you are and you're, you're, you're a high gear as your book says, you're a high gear woman. And you can, you can see that in your quote unquote soft skills as you, you know, you have yeah. high, high intensity and you've got some, some interesting soft skills there. But I can remember distinctly seeing your sign go up and go, wow, okay, that's, she's making it. You know, she's, she's And there. that probably was signing on the, the, you know, bottom line for owning that and that whole process to commercial ownership is a, I should write a book on that yeah. because there was, I felt like there was no guide for me for, for that. But I really did think then, you know, that that was a larger statement of a degree of success. Like, a, a, you know, where you put down roots sends a message to sure. what your, where your address is sends a message. And, you know, there's like 12,000 cars a day on Marcus street. So yeah. To your point, people could say, okay, Dieter Gallagher Group. Now, uh, who are they? I've seen that sign a lot of times. And I, and I think you're recognizable too. I mean, I people know you in Camp Hill. Yeah. So having a spot in Camp Hill makes a lot of sense right. there. So kind of fast forward a little bit. We'll call yourself successful. You've had a lot of different brands that you've been involved in, a whole list of them. At what point did you feel like you kind of tipped over into, I can show up on a daily basis and do my thing and I'm going to attract. I am literally hitting that. We call it greatness on this yeah. podcast and greatness can be defined in a lot of ways. And you're always growing. You're always grinding. I understand that. But at what point did you go, oh gosh, I have I have a, a personal assistant. I've got a social media person. I have my own podcast. I have my own videographer. I feel like I've really- A whole team. Tipped over. <laughs> I call it tipping yeah. over in the greatest way. When did you feel that way? I know COVID must have been. Yeah, COVID was, uh, you know, as clients were trying to figure that out, but actually there was a benefit, a more intensified service uh, with crisis communications for us mm -hmm. because companies really had to get their message right. Is it safe to come into your, you know, office? Is it safe for me to grocery shop? How am I going to? So 
clients and new clients leaned heavily on us for that? What What is the right message we're going to put out there on social media or to employee emails or in our media releases or in our earnings report? How, how do we say that? How did you navigate that? I mean, the, we got a lot of different messages from the media, from call it national media, where everybody's listening, everybody's watching, everybody's, that's not everybody's, everybody's scared to death. You know, am I going to get this? I'm going to die. And a lot of people did die. So, you know, you have to take that into account. But how did you manage that message from a place where bring some civility and some, bring some calm to this and let's put the right, how did you do that? Well, you have, so that's a, a good word you say, calm. And civility didn't quite come into the messaging we were doing because it was more, how do you do business with us in these, so I'm speaking on behalf of the clients. The clients needed to get their message out. How how can you do business with us, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's hospitality industry, banking, you know, and financial services. So they're putting up plastic barriers or they're doing uh, drive-throughs. And those are, I don't want to say, the, the messages, you had to be honest, you had to be transparent. You had to make sure your customers or consumers knew that you were coming from a place of goodwill, that you would do nothing that would jeopardize their health. So if it's if it's a grocery store that the elderly are going to have their own time to come in. So those types of messages, the same message I would want to tell, you know, my grandmother, the, right. the way we would couch that. So COVID was, you know, as long as we have internet, we're, it didn't affect our business that way. It wasn't like we had to, to change our, you know, I could still go into our office, but it was a new, you know, just a new learning curve for all of us. And I, and we're not the same since then, you know, the emphasis people have on how they do business and whether they're going to, corporations are still trying to get their workforce back, you know, and their younger people don't necessarily want to come back to the office. Yeah. And I think there's a generation of young people or, and call it the generation, we call it of two or three years of working experience. It goes, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't have to work during that period of time. That's my experience with work. So why do I have to do that now? Right. And that's, that's becoming an issue for, for employers as well. So at the back to your question was, what was my tipping point or when did I think I made it? So in our, our small little army, you know, kind of my brand is high gear. And so whether it's women in high gear, students in high gear, we, about every week we spend a Friday and say, okay, who, where were the big wins? You know, and we do have setbacks. That was one of your questions. We have a lot of those. I, I feel like you're not really going to thrive if you don't get comfortable with some setbacks, you know. Well, the fact that you jumped into something that you weren't sure of to start with. Right. (laughs) I had setbacks on that too. But some of our high gear, you know, I I had a a full spread for a client in the Wall Street Journal. So that was just a huge, in my world and our industry, that is a huge get. You know, that's a, a huge level of persuasion and pitching and and finding the right story to that had two letters to the editor in the Wall Street Journal. So those are, that's how I measure the wins. Like where, where did we succeed on behalf of the clients and where are they thriving? This episode of Grind to Growth to Greatness is brought to you by Terry Barr. Distinctive real estate. Advising families across Pennsylvania and Northern Virginia for over 15 years. Visit the website at terrybarrealestate.com. I also know you have another book It's called The Future Belongs to Students in High Gear. And I'm assuming that's obviously 
it's generally based on this, mm-hmm. on the woman in high gear. Mm-hmm. But tell me what's what's your main message to young people? If they can't buy your book at the moment. What's the main message to our young people that are just starting out, coming out of school, whether it's high school or college? What's your message to them? So my message, uh, similar to women in high gear, was to shorten their learning curve. We would see in all of my leadership positions and even at Dieter Gallagher Group, if I've, I've had a fair amount of college interns and they would come into the office and there tended to be a disconnect with what we think so. we want yeah, so. and what they're coming from college with, the skills, like whether they needed more work on the soft skills, yeah. whether they need to put their device down and understand just what I thought was basic information about an interview or a meeting, there was a disconnect there. So I thought if they can learn this stuff on the front end before they're finished college, and even deciding on career choice, like if you're if you're choosing a major, you know, say it's art history, well, there's only so many museums in the United States. So, and that's certainly a noble and lofty uh, passion, but all that money that you're spending and you will have to theoretically pay back. Theoretically. Uh, yeah. Where is that a good use? Yeah. Did you need guidance early on? Like how maybe you could do that as a passion and where could you make a profit? Like for Benjamin in the music industry, if you're only going to play for free, yeah, that's, that's not a business. Yeah. That's that's I, a hobby. Yeah. Just for you, those that, and I think we mentioned this, she has a son that's yes. literally in the country music business. And uh, I'm assuming Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that's one of the reasons she moved to to, uh, to Nashville. <laughs> that was business. my first introduction yeah. to doing any business in Nashville. Yeah. Yes, so. yes, that is still you know we still have some foothold there, but yeah. more of our business is up here okay. in Pennsylvania. But Ben is he's a he's very there. talented yeah. writer, yeah. songwriter, and performer. Yeah, even has a contract. Yes, with, yeah, uh, Sony. No, he's got yeah. a, a different label now. Different label, okay. And so yeah, it's a publishing contract and a, a label contract. Amazing. So. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you how your husband fits into this. Because <laughs> I think hu- you're the first one that's ever asked me well, that. You know, his name's Corey, and you said he was a high school sweetheart. And you've told me your journey, and every bit of your journey, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, is kind of dependent on him going, honey, go get him. Well, you're very correct. Okay. And I'll step back and say I couldn't have done any of this without him yeah. because he was the um, he was a high school chemistry teacher for 35 years. So, you know, a solid and dependable, which allowed me to figure out my own business journey. So if I was a sole breadwinner, which is a lot of, you know, a lot of the case for sure. uh, women, then you really have no time to figure it out. You have to reach profitability really quickly. So thanks to him, you know, I could take my time and figure it out because the mortgage was still going to be paid. Yeah, he's always been my biggest uh, champion and supporter, not on social media. He's na- yeah. <laughs> he's uh, in many ways, we're polar opposites. Well, darn it. I tell you, I, I, when I was doing my research on you, I got all three of your son's names. <laughs> I got your dad's name, your mom's name. Your brother's name, but I couldn't find your yeah, husband's name. You couldn't find him anywhere. No, no, he's a, a biggest supporter. So yeah, I don't, I've not done any of this alone. That's for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. I do have one other question for you. And that is, are you reading any books right now? And if you are, what are you reading? A high gear woman, what do you read? Oh gosh. I read a lot of articles, a lot of marketing books. I read the Wall Street Journal every single day. 
right. which is kind of my, I've done that for 25 years. And that's uh, where I get a lot of my resources and quotes sure. and trends from. Yeah. So I'm trying to think what book is is on my uh, well, that's okay. desk now. I, I, can't, I can't name one off the top of my head. I'm trying to figure out my topic for my own third book to yeah. write. Yeah. So I didn't nail that down either. Well, I didn't know what to expect if this was going. This your book was going to be directed, you know, at women or what's the magic sauce for the female in the business world? And I had no idea. And I have to tell you, I started last night. We, I had another podcast with someone else, and I had a, about an hour and a half to wait. And I was here right in the seat, <laughs> and I read about thirty pages. What a what an awesome book! You could just get a lot of insight into the business world, a lot of insight into what's you know I. In particular, soft skills is something. Yeah, that, uh, I'm sure you see that in your sure. in your relationship business. Sure. Yeah, and I and to be honest with you, my relationship skills sometimes are are not as good as they should be, uh, and that's funny coming from a sales guy. Uh, <laughs> but that's something I always look for. I look for that encouragement and how to do that, how to progress in that skill of mine. But I want to thank you for coming on our our podcast. It's been a pleasure. I know that we put this in the middle of your day, so this was a uh, this was a hard get for you, and I appreciate you doing that. We just had a snowstorm. so Yes, sure, we did. I'm sure that's a little red, Jen, but I want to thank you for coming in on Terry, this thank you, and best of luck. This podcast is going to help a lot of people that uh, your whole journey you're on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, thanks for tuning in to Grind to Grow to Greatness. Tune in next week to our next episode. I have a great guest, and I'm excited to introduce him to you. But until then, subscribe and like. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Grind to Growth to Greatness podcast. Our passion is to talk to the brightest entrepreneurs, CEOs, creators, athletes, anyone who's made it, and dive into their struggles, their successes, and their secrets. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at grind to growth to greatness. See you next time.